to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual hosts here. We've got Tom Mannering. Hello. And myself, Josh Hartley. How, how are we doing this week, Tom? I'm doing fine, thank you, Josh. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. We are uh, recording this on the Sunday, so we've both had a full, a full weekend behind us. I have not done much. <laughs> uh, did you get up to uh, anything at all? I'm trying to think. Uh no, no not really. I've, I've done bits and pieces, but nothing, nothing concrete. I was out and about doing a few bits yesterday, getting stuff for the house, being you know adult and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's been pretty chill to be honest. Uh, I'm planning to have a pretty chill day as well today. Aside from this, not that this isn't chill, but um, yeah, I'm not really not really it's planning. A, it, 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 it's it's like it, it's. A couple of notches above complete chill. Sure. It's yeah. <laughs> I, I had. I did, it's not board game related, but uh, I had yesterday. So I'm, one thing I'm trying to do at the moment, especially with mm. it being summer, is I'm trying to kind of cut down my screen time. So like how long I'm right. playing computer games, how long I'm watching TV, you know, things like that, and and get out and do things, or you know, do things in the house, or or just do things that aren't looking at a screen because my mm. job's looking at a screen as well. So there's a lot of screens in my life. Yeah. Um. But I'm still trying to kind of, you know, keep my keep my leg in, keep my finger in, however that expression goes. And uh, I jumped on Final Fantasy Online last night with Ryan. Right. Uh, and I've been trying to pick up all the different mounts, like dragons, horses and things that you get from different bosses. Right, okay. And uh, I said to Ryan, uh, all right, do you want to give me a hand doing, doing this boss so we can just farm it? You know, you just keep doing it until the mount drops. Mm-hmm. So myself, Ryan, and, and another guy from our guild in the game, uh, all went on to farm this this dragon. And basically, the the dragon has quite a low chance of like dropping. But it, the game has a pity system where basically, if you've done it fifty times and it still hasn't dropped, you get it. Now the thing is, if it drops it, mm. that it's still only dropped one, and there's three of us in this oh, wow, in this group, okay. right? So this is how shit my luck is, right? So we go in, like the fifth time we do it, the first dragon drops. The other guy gets it, right? It's, it's random rolled, other guy gets it. Sure. We, we do maybe like, I think we did about 20. We were like 20 in of the 20 times of doing this one fight over and over again, drops again, Ryan gets it. So I'm like, right, okay, well that's two drops in 20. Mm-hmm. So worst case scenario, we we do four, we do forty runs, and we get it. Mm-hmm. We got all the way to fifty, and I didn't get there we go. this goddamn dragon. So I had to get the pity dragon. Does it have pity written across it? No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. In your like, mind, it does though. In my mind, it does. I, I was just like, it's just, it's just my look. Like this is you just my look. Don't even like the dragon now. <laughs> I hate it. No, I don't. I, like, I love it, and and I actually had I had fun doing it in so much as you could have fun doing the exact same boss fight fifty times on repeat. Um, <laughs> so that was two and a half hours. Like this, this is why I don't play MMOs, man. <laughs> like, like, I I envisioned it right in my head. I was like, we'll go in, we'll do it like ten times, and you know, we'll be golden. I didn't think I was going to spend two and a half hours of my Saturday night just 
doing the same thing, rinse and repeat. And the only way I managed to keep myself sane is I basically gave us a time challenge to try and like beat how quickly we could beat this thing, just nice. to put something in to keep it remotely interesting. Yeah. Uh, our best time was two minutes and four seconds. All right. Okay. Wouldn't so. be so bad if all fifty times were like two minutes and four seconds. But I think our worst time was like four minutes, so it's, okay. not, it's not too bad. But you got to bear in mind that's fifty times. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like MMOs are, you know, you you kind of accept that if you play that kind of game. But I think like nowadays, and not to go on a massive tangent. But it's becoming more and more commonplace because the games want ways to keep you coming back, to keep yeah. you playing, to keep you know pushing that button. You're like a little hamster at a food button, you know. You just mm-hmm. it's just to keep you in in the loop. So yeah, that was that was my Saturday. Uh, not to massively derail our conversation. Cool. No, I'll quickly just say on the subject of video games, the two I've been playing an awful lot of have been uh, still playing a lot of Warhammer Total War. Um, Absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> not much else to say on that subject. Uh, but uh, the Vintage Cube is back on Magic Online, so I've been playing that a bit. Uh, on the subject of computer games, actually. Sorry, oh. do, you, do you want to say something more about your Vintage Cube? No, okay. no, it's fine. It's fine. Carry on. No, this is relevant. This is it's relevant yes. to things we talk about, which is, you know, rare for us. Um, <laughs> there is a 40k computer game being made by the guys who made the Pathfinder isometric games. Oh, so it's a tie-in. Really? Uh, so it's, I think it's Owlcat Studios uh, who did uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker and Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, kind of isometric. Imagine, if, mm-hmm. if you're not aware what an isometric game is, if you think Baldur's Gate, Icewind yeah. Dale, Pillars of Eternity, uh, all those kinds of games where you're looking at it kind of like a side angle, uh, sort of top-down but with a lean on it <laughs> it's like a... it's all diagonal yeah um so they've announced uh i think it was a couple of weeks ago now they've announced they're doing a 40k game in that cool. style which i think that's awesome like i'm i we've not really had a 40k role-playing game like we've had a lot of 40k shooters and we've had some strategies games as well, yeah. yeah um but we've not really had one where you're like you're playing a character and I think so, you're playing a, a rogue trader in it. Yeah, I was just about to ask. So who who is it you play? That would be really cool playing as a rogue trader in the forty first millennium. Yeah, and like your your allies, you get like a sister of battle and a space marine and an orc and an elder and all this guy, like all the things yeah. that kind of rogue traders have in the in the law on their ships because yeah. they get really weird eclectic crews. Um, mm. I, I I'm like I love Alcat Studios. Like they they have this habit. They release their games before they're ready, which is annoying, and I kind of wish they wouldn't do it. But yeah, isn't that old game studio? So nowadays, common now. So. It's it's. I yeah. uh, will just fix it. It's like yeah, we'll, we'll patch it later. And, and <laughs> I I'm always of the opinion that I would rather a studio delays a game than mm. releases it unfinished. But I'm also conscious that obviously they're investors, things in the background, schedules for them. Sometimes that's just not really an option. But what, yeah. what they're doing and, and why it's quite sneaky is they basically make their consumers, the people who are paying them for a product, into beta testers that are mm-hmm. paying them because they release it and then you report the bugs and then they fix the bugs. Whereas what would normally happen is they would pay a QA department to, to actually do all that and report it. And I'm sure they still do that. They still have QA. But they cut off QAs, a yeah. massive chunk of that you know that that business that they have to pay for and turn the people paying them into that role which is 
insidiously ingenious. Yay! <laughs> You've got to admire it. So anyway, enough about computer games. But yeah, that, I thought that was quite cool because obviously yeah. I love Pathfinder. We both love 40k. You love Pathfinder as well. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and it's nice to see these worlds kind of coming together in a, yeah. in a loose yeah, way. Neat. We'll, we'll wait with bated breath on that one. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into anything else, uh, Tom, you were saying before we started recording, it is 10 weeks until Tabletop Scotland. It is, yeah. It's, yeah. It's creeping up on us uh, very quickly in a good way. An al- one could say an alarming rate. <laughs> like I, I, I saw the post on Tabletop Scotland's Facebook and I was like, no, that can't be right. <laughs> so I checked it and I was like, okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, we've we've got Tabletop Scotland on the the, the not too distant horizon now, uh, and we're going to be there, uh, of course, as their uh, media partners. Uh, Pronounced, you have to say in a French accent. You do. Uh, that media is, partner. It's part of our contract. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't uh, know who put that clause in. It was a weird one. <laughs> um, and we're going to be doing a number of things on the day, uh, and we're going to talk. Uh, over the next few weeks about some of the things that are going to be going on there as well uh, but we are going to be doing and I've had someone ask me about this so it's a good job we probably do announce this officially uh, we are going to be doing the pub quiz uh, at Tabletop Scotland if you've been to the previous events you'll no doubt have had the pleasure or have heard tales of the amazing pub quiz that we did yes. uh, uh, yeah we'll be doing this year so it'll be on the uh, the Saturday late afternoon evening uh, half past nine in the bar Yes, at the Jewish Centre. That's that's uh, that's evening. That's not late afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> being no, indulgent. No, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, this will be the first time we do the pub quiz together. To be fair, well, I, I was with Ben. I did it with Ben the first year, and I couldn't make it the second year. Remember? Oh, so that's you, right. You weren't there. Yeah, you had to. Yeah. You had to run the show. So we we've had a full rotation. So it was you and Ben, me and Ben, and then me and you. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. So if you want it. Cool. People can compare and contrast now. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> if you if you want to see me abuse Josh in public, uh, where it's uh, legally damning, <laughs> verbally abuse, verbally abuse. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the night takes. But no, no, I'm really looking. No, not the belt. <laughs> Jesus, that went dark. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you if you want to see us. Um, and, and come and join. Uh, I think that'll be a really fun. Like, it will be a really yeah. fun event. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing it. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll maybe give a few teasers of what that'll entail over the, the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's not the only event happening uh, at the convention. If you go to their webpage, tabletopscotland.co.uk, you can find the event schedule there. Um, there's a bunch of seminars that we're, we're going to be there on the Saturday in the uh, seminar room, the, the Hay Room, um, recording and capturing everything. One of that I'm looking forward to in particular is, is Tabletop Gaming Open to All, and this is uh, uh, John Harper is going to be I- involved in that panel. Now, those of you who were there for uh, t- 2018 will remember that John, Har- John Harper was heckling me rotten during our events so there's a part of me that wants to go and return the favor but then there's the other part of me the conscious the conscience part of me that thinks is 
is it a panel about diversity and inclusion in tabletop gaming? Really, the really the time to do that to yeah. exact that revenge? Probably, probably not. Where you know your uh, middle class white male should really be heckling. To be honest, <laughs> maybe, maybe reserve that for something else. And yeah. I think that's that's going to be a really good panel as well. Um, I've I've seen the the lineup for that, um, and I think that's be an interesting one to attend. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that either in person or in our subsequent recording that we will release after the event. So you'll have... Absolutely. Uh, you can double dunt it. Absolutely. Right, yeah. Uh, links for everything will be in the show notes below. Um, right, so uh, without further ado, we have been doing gaming things. We haven't just been playing computer games <laughs> this week. Uh, Tom, you, you mentioned uh, on the previous episode about five your campaign five treasure company and how you mercilessly killed all of them i don't remember um, saying it like that for sure yeah um and <laughs> uh but you were saying that you were basically doing an epilogue for this campaign how did that go yeah i think it went uh it went quite well um so basically because all the characters died there wasn't really any like closure beyond dying uh and I, I thought that was a little bit unfulfilling because this this is a campaign that had ran for a, a, nearly two years yeah it's um, just a covid campaign yeah basically. uh and they were they were pretty high level they were level 12 13 and i thought right, i kind of want to wrap up a few things they'd actually said that they, they wanted to bring their characters back to life there were there were mechanisms for, for to do that and i mentioned on the last episode yeah. that we agreed we were going to do that but then we were going to wrap up the campaign anyway so I basically did, uh, I, I wrote up a, a script before uh, the episode of, of basically just sort of a uh, an epilogue that I could read uh, read off um, and kind of play out for them that basically explains sort of how their characters were, were recovered, how they were brought back to well, those of them that did come back to life because they didn't all come back to life, mm-hmm. but how they were brought back to life, which is not uncommon in, in Galari in the Pathfinder setting. And then um, I did basically kind of a, Almost like a um, a mono, not a monologue. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It is a monologue, uh, but it wasn't a monologue. Um, montage, uh, a monologue montage uh, of like different scenes uh, across places they'd been to kind of show how over like time from when they'd been there to sort of like the future, uh, what their events there had impacted. So we saw like you know kids that they'd rescued grown up uh towns that they'd saved kind of uh having like public holidays celebrating mm-hmm. these these people that rescued them from certain doom and then we did sort of uh i did sort of little uh, vignettes of each character's kind of future um yeah. as well uh, and then <laughs> i was quite proud of the way I, I wrapped it up so we we had sort of a comic relief character that came in quite late basically barry wanted a uh, an assistant basically who ran his home for him while he was off adventuring he's uh, just as an aside barry always has like uh like a, an assistant a sidekick yeah yeah um and he said I, I, he said i've got this halfling this kind of scholarly halfling he runs things for me and i'm not here and he'd sent me over a picture of this character and it was it was something he pulled off the internet right and it was 
I don't want to besmirch the artist, so I'm not gonna. We're not gonna link the picture or anything, and and I'm not gonna give too much information. But it was a picture of a halfling that the the proportions weren't great. Uh, okay. Basically, he had very long arms, like very that, long arms that just did not look right. And this became a bit of a, a joke in in the game when I introduced this character, and everyone's like, "Why is it? Why are his arms so long? Why are they so you know?" Um, and Basically, whenever this character came up, it would be mentioned. You know, he had these long arms swinging at his side and yeah. stuff. Uh, and so, when I had my uh, my monologue montage, the the end of it was basically I was describing sort of this future scene of this sort of elderly, uh, grey-haired halfling talking to his grand, like reading his grandchild a, a bedside story. Uh, and he like puts the book down on like the the bedside table, but like it's like really far away from it because <laughs> it's the guy <laughs> with the really long arms, like telling the story about the people yes. that he worked for. Uh, yes. So it ended on kind of a a bit of a joke as well, just to just to kind of uh, leave it in, on a good tone, which I would I would recommend. Like you don't necessarily need to if you ever do an epilogue for a campaign, you don't have to have a joke at the end of it. You know, sometimes heartfelt can be really good and and i did try to make parts of mine quite heartfelt and you know a a sort of sincere homage to everything that the the characters had done Mm. um but i know the group and the group was always meant to be kind of tongue-in-cheek so uh, i wanted to make sure it 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 ended as it started really um with it with a bit of a joke uh and it was really good it was it was well received will who, who plays in the game uh said he'd never really had an epilogue for a campaign before so that was quite oh, nice to give yeah. him that that experience first time i know you've been in quite a few of my games so you've you've experienced versions i've of, had closure yeah <laughs> uh, versions of these uh, on a couple of occasions so yeah that went went really well i was really happy with it uh and uh we're planning our our next game now we're uh, we're moving over to fourth edition warhammer fantasy uh, oh, I thought you were going to say 4th edition D&D and I was just going to be like, why? I hate myself. Uh, yeah. Well, I do, but not for that reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke, I'm oh. fine. Uh, no, it's good. It's good. Anyway, uh, on the subject of D&D, uh, quick tangent there. Uh, I believe you have run another game, Josh. Yeah, yeah. We've, we finished off the uh, Hunt for the Thessal Hydra um, on Friday night with uh, so this is the the group of guys who have never really played D and D before. So uh, yeah, we we started just at the final dungeon um, and they they bossed it. Yeah, <laughs> they, um, they were basically able to sneak up on it and they right. got uh, they got a surprise round in and within the surprise round uh, at the start of this campaign. So. To give a bit more background, uh, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, this is the Stranger Things uh, starter set that they released a couple of years ago. And the uh, campaign that comes in it is written as if uh, one of the characters, uh, Mike Wheeler from Stranger Things, had written this campaign. And I'm wondering if that's informed some of the sort of strange decisions that are in it, because we talked about the, the randomly generated dungeon, which sounds cool, but in practice was a bit tedious Mm. um and one of the other things is the characters get given a macguffin like right at the start they get given a magic sword that is super good against the thessal hydra providing they don't piss off um the guy who's asking them to do this uh and doug wielding that scored a crit like in the surprise round so like 
managed to drop this uh, thing's health to like half. Um, so I'm gonna, still... I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you finish. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. can you west you for a minute. Uh, I'm also gonna, gonna unmatchly you as well. Um, there is no surprise round in fifth edition D and D. Right. Um... You have, you have the surprised condition. Uh, which oh, characters can have, but there's technically brilliant. not a surprise why round. Why don't you just slide your glasses <laughs> up your nose while you're saying, "Well, I just actually, look, look, I don't want, I don't want the hate mail, Josh. I'm just, I'm doing this for your benefit." <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> the Hydra had the surprised condition, which meant we had the first round of combat, but it didn't take any action. Thank you. There. Are you happy? I am. So, which, for most intents and purposes is the exact same thing as the surprise round. No, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Carry carry on with your story. Had had a magic sword killed the Thessal Hydra with a crit? Yes, yes. They did that. And they did other things. (laughs) We actually actually had um, a, 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 a... a whole roleplay section after leaving the dungeon, which I was not expecting because Corinne's character fellows wanted to go back to the uh, tavern and chat up the barmaid right. again. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll we'll play through that. And they got a hero's welcome for killing the monster and all of this. Um, the nice thing is everyone enjoyed it and we are going to do a, a proper campaign. So I'm... Um, I'm back to sort of my initial umming of which campaign to do because I was leaning towards Curse of Strahd, but the more I think about it, the more I think that maybe that's not, certainly not the way to go immediately. Maybe I level, like, I we do a shorter campaign and we, we somehow jump in to Curse of Strahd at a higher level. Um, I've heard of people doing that. Was Curse of Strahd not like level three that it kicks off anyway? No, you, you run it from level one, uh, but the first the first quest, the, the the death house gets you up to level three. Right. So you could you could jump in at level three. I've been told there's a way of jumping in at level five as well. You start them in a different location in Barovia, basically. Um, and I I'm, I think that's might that might be what I do. Apparently, the the campaign in the essentials kit is really good, particularly for like new players and new DMs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gets you to level five. And it has a bit of everything in. You get to fight a dragon at the end of it as well, which is always quite satisfying. You know, it's a bit like that moment in a movie where someone says the title of the movie. Like, Roll credits. D- Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, I think you should try and in every game you run, every session you run, you should try and get the lines Dungeons and Dragons in there somehow. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be very difficult. It would. Yeah, I, I don't think I could do it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, do you have any further thoughts or suggestions on what I should do with that? I, we, we are going to have like a session zero where we build the characters. So mm-hmm. obviously, this is that's going to be my opportunity to talk to the players as to what they want. I think you've got like that's definitely going to be important. That conversation of you know what kind of game do they want? If they're not really interested in a horror game, Curse of Strahd is not the right way to go. Mm-hmm. So you know you can you can pitch to them, but you've got to be careful because you don't want your pitch to them to sort of agree with it just because you're pitching it. You know you you kind of can't pitch too hard for any one thing. Like you should, it, it's a really weird tightrope tightrope to walk because you're on the one hand you want to do something you're excited about, 
But on the other hand, you want to make sure your players are excited about it. So you've got to kind of find a middle ground for it when you're mm-hmm. when you're pitching it. Um, so I think if it were me, I maybe wouldn't even tell them necessarily it was Curse of Strahd. Some of them might know that already, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I would pitch more themes, you know. So okay. So, so what are you more excited theme. about? Are you more yeah. excited about? Would you would you like a horror theme? Would you like kind of a, a political theme? Would you like a sort of standard dungeon crawly theme? Because you've got loads of modules that are in that kind of vein. Do you want something quite grounded? Do you want something quite epic? You know, um, maybe even go even more open and say, you know, what kind of fantasy stuff excites you? What films do you like? What TV shows do you like? You know, um, <clears throat> what kind of game would you like to play within that? And then you kind of narrow that down. So if you get people going, oh, you know, I love Game of Thrones and I love Harry Potter, by way of example, you can kind of bring that down to kind of like, or oh, maybe like a political intrigue school thing where Strixhaven would be quite a good fit for that. Or if you've yeah. got someone who's like, oh, you know, well, I love like Castlevania, then you're, you've got a shoe in to to something yeah. like Ravenloft there. Um, so you, you do need to kind of feel out your group a little bit. If they're being very vague, which some groups annoyingly will be, uh, then you can maybe start to kind of say, well, these are solid options, mm. you know, that, that I've got. So you could say, you know, this is what this is, this is what this is, which one excites you more, which is what I tend yeah. to do with you guys because you're a very indecisive bunch, <laughs> is I'll say these are, you know, three or four options mm-hmm. for you to choose from. Here's, here's a brief encapsulation of what that would entail. Um, but I think going for something like the Essentials kit out the gate is a really good start. You know, it gets yeah. you. And then the thing that you can do as well, Josh, is you don't need to commit to Ravenloft. You could start with Essentials and see how that plays out. And you could yeah. maybe even like introduce element this is maybe a bit more advanced but something that you could consider you could introduce elements in and see what they're interested in so like i know ravenloft if if i remember rightly there's like a letter that they get from the burgermeister that's like asking for help at at one point so you could maybe have that on like a notice board you know this Mm -hmm. and say like this is here and if they're like oh that's cool let's go do that so you can make the choice an in-game decision yeah you know where you have like and I've done this to you guys, and you get really annoyed about it because like, we don't know what to do. I'm like, you're not supposed to know what to do. You're supposed to pick the one you want to do. Uh, <laughs> where you mm-hmm. give a couple of different choices and see which one they're, they're actually drawn to. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, that. I mean, and that's an interesting uh, point as well. And doing that smoothly <laughs> is probably something that will take a bit of practice. But um, I think... I, I, I suspect that... There, I, I suspect I'm probably better off giving them like the three or four options, mm-hmm. basically, rather than asking open endedly. Like, all right, what what do you want to do? Because you know they're new to D and D, so there's probably they are like, new to D and D, but they're not new to their tastes. So they will no. know the things that they enjoy, and you don't necessarily need to do this in like a formal discussion. It can be like I've done it in one-on-one discussions, you know, and I gauge yeah. like what do people like, what do people not like, you know, what what I know in my groups, especially the ones that I've run for a long time, what people's individual mm-hmm. things that they enjoy are, you know, that yeah. you know, so and so really enjoys anime, so and so really enjoys political drama, so and so really enjoys you know really campy stuff. You can't please all masters, but you could try and put elements of, of different tastes in or the ones that appeal to the majority. Um, 
But I would, I'd keep it simple. I would start with something like the Essentials Kit and then make that decision. Yeah. You know, down the road. Once you've got a feel for what the group's like, what the characters are like, what they're enjoying, you know. Uh, do they just like the classic hack and slash D&D? Are they just enjoying going into dungeons and, and fighting, you know, big monsters? Or, or are they ready for something more advanced? Because the, the good thing about these modules is they're not going anywhere. So yeah, that's true. It's not like if you don't do that now, you'll never come back to it at a later yeah. date. You know, there's many a time I've run one game when I've maybe been slightly more interested in another one, but then I've kind of... I've said, right, we've played that now, we've run that now. Now can we play this one that I actually want to run? Yeah, I, I, like one of the things I'm thinking of, I, I should probably pick up some of these books, even if I don't end up running them anyway, because it'd be good to read through them. And hopefully reading through them might give me an idea on... Well, one, how, how to make homebrew content down the line yep. anyway. Yep. Um, but secondly, uh, if I did want to, if, if, if at, say, level 10, I wanted to bring them back to like um, a campaign that would normally have started at level 5 or something, like how do I up the ante, how do I make it you know, an appropriate difficulty and reading through the adventures will hopefully give me a sense of, oh, okay, so... This is what I need to do there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, definitely, and this is something that I I try and encourage people. It's being a GM is a commitment, right? And and how much of a commitment that is is up to you. Like mm. you can keep it low commitment, uh, you know, where you just you read your module, you plan your module, and that's you. You can be extreme commitment, which is I probably sit closer to that end, where you know you read everything that you can. You yes. know, I've I've been GMing since I was like twelve, so it's it's in excess of 20 odd years now and i still read a lot of how to gm content a lot of gm tips you mm -hmm. know I, I consider it something that i'm always improving on that's my personal cross to bear that's not something everybody has to do but i do think yeah. you know if you want to get better at something it's like anything the more you practice at it the more you engage that skill the better you're going to get at it i think we should just call this this section of the pond the, the podcast now like josh's gm training because that, that's what it becomes are we going to have a monologue montage of me getting better at being a gm <laughs> and we see an elderly josh his grandchildren yeah. sat around him yes. rolling dice gather around <laughs> his um, elongated arms <laughs> yeah um, you threw me off my train of thought there now in terms of in terms of uh, the stuff I've noticed them getting the most engaged with, uh, they love role-playing. That's good. Like, they, they love just talking to NPCs. And, and also, I think the tone of it is going to be maybe slightly on the goofier side. Uh, we're yet to build characters, but Corinne knows exactly what character she's building. Mm -hmm. She's building a dwarf bard called Fellow's Power Shred. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, and she plays, uh, the, the main inspiration behind how he plays is uh, Zach Brannigan from Futurama. Okay. So that gives you an idea on what he's like. The art that she found online was uh, like a punk rock dwarf playing a um, keytar. Right. Um, so I might see if I can muddle something in, in the, the core rules so that he's playing a, a keytar. Just say it's playing magic. a keytar. We don't have to explain just anything. Say it's playing a keytar. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> just say it's a you know clockwork instrument, magical instrument, whatever you want. Yeah. Like there's absolutely nothing stopping you going. He's playing a keytar, key, uh, unless someone's like, "Well, how does that work exactly?" You're like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, magic. Um, 
Will is going to play a tiefling rogue. Okay. Um, more of a... Uh, he's... He's sort of the background for his character as well, and they're, they're um, a thespian right. sort of, yeah, um, an actor. Um, and I think they're they're figuring out a way that the two of the like uh, fellows and I can't. I'm sorry, Will, if you're listening to this, but I couldn't remember the name of, that you've given your uh, your tiefling. But how those two know each other? Right. And we spoke uh, on a previous week about Susan and her character Rattus Rattus, which will be uh, rat folk. Something we'll figure out the class in the next se- uh, session, and then uh, Doug hasn't committed to anything just yet. Okay, I think he's. I suspect he's waiting to see what the other characters are going to be before mm-hmm. he he builds something. Something wrong with that? It's going to be an eclectic bunch, that's for sure. I mean, most adventuring groups are, to be honest, mate. They, yeah. they tend to be pretty uh, pretty chaotic, to say the least. But that sounds like you've got a good. A good lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you've got players that, that are excited about the characters that they want to play, and that's half the battle uh, yeah. out the gate. So that's that's solid. Um, it does sound certainly to me that it's going to be a bit more tongue in cheek. I'm not sure that's going to be Ravenloft material, but who knows? I mean, you could. I, as as the director Sam Raimi says, there's a very thin line between comedy and horror. There is, there is, um... and uh, you could certainly go for more of a. Oh, what is it? The Mel Brooks uh, gothic horror film. It's not actually gothic. Uh, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. That's the one. Or, or of course, you've got Dracula. Uh, Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a film as well. Dra- Dracula. Is it dead and loving it? Yeah. The one with Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. That was that was Mel Brooks as well, wasn't it? Is there not an Eddie um, Murphy film as well where he's a vampire? Oh jeez. Memory serves. Um, I can't remember. I don't yeah. vampire in New York or vampire in Brooklyn or something like but that. But like Evil Dead Two, like I'm, I maintain, is a hilarious film, and that is a full on horror. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. Right. No. You. I, I do agree. I just. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It could be really cool. Like a, a dwarf with a keytar in in the middle of Castle Ravenloft is uh, is going to be a sight to behold. Playing playing some Castlevania music. Yeah. On his on his keytar. Uh, it would certainly work. Um. That does sound good, though. Uh, I'm interested yeah. to see what what they all finally settle on. And uh... <laughs> it's Panzer. I think I am going to look at picking up the essentials kit, though, because I, I think if nothing else, it's quite cheap online. Twenty quid <laughs> as well. Yes, how much? Twenty quid. Yeah, no brainer. Yeah. And it will give me more rule books that I can share with the yeah. other players, so that they've got things to reference as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all good stuff to have, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Righty, oh. On that note, shall we draw this episode to a close, sir? Let's do it. Righty, well, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, take care. Bye! Bye! Thank you.